This is Irish Illustrated Insider, and this is game week, sorta, kinda, with a Labor Day game. But it's like uh, a relaxing game week. We're gonna call we're gonna call it game week because we are on uh, our normal game week schedule. Uh, I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It's Monday, August 26th. Notre Dame plays a week from today. We will have our next podcast on Thursday, just like we always do during the season. We're not going to get too far into Louisville today. Uh, we'll do more of that, obviously, on Thursday. Um, really good coach. I mean, I think a coach that's going to turn Louisville around into a winner. He's won 41, or he won 41 games in his last four years at Appalachian State. And, man, you look at them, and they were good on offense, good on defense, Good on special teams. They were good at everything they did. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be enough for the Cardinals because, unfortunately, he's not coaching Appalachian State. Scott Satterfield, he's coaching Louisville. But, um, Tim, you posted a, a starting lineup for Notre Dame, a projected starting lineup. Let's let's start there. And um, I don't know that there's too much that's up for great yeah. debate at this point, but there are a couple positions still up for grabs. I think the surprise, if I opened camp and exited, is... I had to list, because I'm projecting what I think Notre Dame will do, I had to list Orr for Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones. I would not have thought that at least in June, would you? No. Um, probably a pleasant surprise they have three candidates opposite Troy Pride for the game, because um, Sean Crawford worked his way into what had been two candidates of Dante Vaughn and Tariq Bracey. I really think, I would think Crawford would get the nod, but I think they might go to Vaughn a lot, because there's some size on Louisville's perimeter, yeah, including 6'6". Six, six, um, so I do take Clark Lee as where when he says there's matchups involved. If you're not going to start Dante, you're not going to play a lot of Dante Vaughn against six four and six six. That's I don't know when you would. Yeah, that, I, this is the, the game for it. Yeah, I think the depth chart is pretty self-explanatory at this point. You know, cor- like you said, cornerback, running back are kind of interesting. Um, you know, where Kyle Hamilton fits into the mix. Um, you know, is he a two at both? Is he a two at one? Is it, is the work just almost all in nickel and dime type stuff? Um, you know how they how they rotate along the defensive line. I think will be interesting. Is I, Kyle Hamilton the backup at both? Because that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't really I don't know the answer to that. You know, I it, think that's true. Yeah. How much do they play Drew White versus Shane Simon at the mic? I think that that's something they're going to have to weigh. I mean, a lot of it. I think Notre Dame's depth chart is is way more interesting in terms of who the twos are and yeah. how they're used. And to your point, um, Louisville is supposed to be, that's what I mean, it's going to happen in the first game, a 60-40 run-pass quotient or, or mix. Does Bo Bauer get any time and then not get time against other teams? You know, that it's if you're a 60-40 run-pass mix. Yeah, we haven't seen a whole lot of evidence, though, yeah. of him him being in there. And, and, of course, two of the three wide receiver spots are, so the starters are locked up with Chase Claypool and and Chris Fink, we certainly expect Lawrence Keyes III to be the starter, the third starter, but he's not going to go the, the distance. Right. So is it Joe Wilkins? Um, how much does Javon McKinley play? You know, he's pretty much a W. I wouldn't think you're going to take Chase Claypool off the field a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, there's there's no mystery along the offensive line. And then, you know, of course, Brock Wright's definitely the starter tight end, but we'll see, we'll see Tommy Tremble as well. I think... The lack, not having Cole Komet, and to a lesser extent, Michael Young, makes it interesting to see how many two-back sets they get in there, how many times Kyron Williams will come in and be detached. You would have figured there'd be a lot of three receivers, one running back in Komet, and then your next best line would have, or your next best package would have included Brock Wright. And now it's just the next best package is probably includes multiple running backs. Yeah, running backs in the slot. I 
you know, we, we talk a lot about in, as as camp opened about, you know, Ian Book, we weren't we weren't really blown away with what we were seeing. He's been a lot better, according to reports, and according to one day when we saw him complete 37 out of 41, mainly against prep team guys, but still, it's 37 out of 41. He threw several deep balls that were right on target. So he seems to be rounding into, you know, the kind of level of play that was that we expected of him when when camp opened. Yeah, and that's, I mean, they don't need that against Louisville, but they do need it against Georgia later. So how how much we see this new and somewhat improved book is incredibly interesting on Saturday night. I mean, we, we are all getting a lot of questions like, okay, what are you actually going to be watching? Um, you know, how Liam Eikenberg plays, I'll be watching. You know, does Ian Book push the ball vertically like we saw last week? I'll be watching. Um, you know, do the line are the linebackers in the right spots? We'll well, yeah, watching. that's and and I mean, I that's know you guys, you guys are going to be tracking. That's not not one of the things that I do, but snap counts at linebacker are going to be very revealing to us. We may have to for the first time, or not for the first time, but do the arduous task of doing that during a game because it's relevant. Oh, yeah. you know how you try to do it sometimes with the secondary. Well, all of a sudden, the linebackers are relevant to a story because how much they're in there. Is we don't know. We just have no idea. Last year would have been boring. Would have been Coney ninety, Tranquil ninety, and you're done. Yeah, but I just wrote S, S starters. starters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and yeah. I after uh, seeing the Miami Florida game on Saturday night, everybody had pretty much a typical reaction. The tackling was terrible, and I, you know, overall the the young quarterback play was probably better than the veteran quarterback play. Although the young quarterback took ten sacks, and it starts to make you wonder exactly. How many Notre Dame can get this season, knowing that that is an extreme strength for this team, and you can go second or third deep, and they're still going to be very good at it. I don't think I included the question about how often do you think Notre Dame can get ten sacks did. a game. Did I include yes. that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then I guess I shouldn't be talking about too much. We'll get to that, or maybe we'll eliminate that. Or maybe we should just talk about now. Ten sacks in a game, man. That's a that's a lot. Ten you sacks got, against a power five. Yeah, that's bad. You gotta have a young, you probably have to have a young quarterback that's yeah. just taking too and many young sacks. Offensive tackles and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. really good defensive ends, multiples of them. And Notre Dame does have multiples of good defensive ends. Um, I mean, another thing that I'm really interested to see is how much pressure Clark Lee actually brings. I don't think that's something we've been able to ascertain from practice viewings. However. Talking to people around the program, that's the expectation that they are really going to get after it more this year. I find that interesting because if you can get a pass rush with your DNs, why do you want to put your your the back end of your defense in in some maybe some uncomfortable situations? But I'm sure Clark Lee knows what he's doing and what he's got back there, and, and you know when he can take chances and 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 when he can't. Um, let's. I'm, I'm actually going to throw it, since we were talking about Miami, Florida, and, and Notre Dame playing Louisville, I'm actually going to take one of our questions from segment two and kind of address it here right now, is that what what gives you guys the confidence that Notre Dame can avoid some of that sloppy football that we saw Saturday night between Miami and Florida? I think veteran quarterback and Ian Book, veteran receivers, veteran running backs. That's how I feel. Uh, veteran offensive line. I think their offense will be crisp. Uh, defensively, I, I don't expect... Many breakdowns at all. I don't know how much they're going to bring added pressure because Louisville's line is offensive line is a major weakness still. Yes. Uh, they do have a future pro um, in Mackay Becton, but Notre Dame can get to them with four for sure. So I think Notre Dame might bring pressure all year, as Pete said, but I don't think they need to do it in the first game or two. Notre Dame's old. 
Yeah. You know, Florida, Florida okay, was also young offensively. <laughs> yeah. In a, I didn't in say a, they were a, men. In a better way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they're just, they're, they're an old offense uh, in a way Miami and Florida were yeah. not. Will they be great tacklers? Uh, I don't know. Um, but I, I certainly have no concerns over Jalen Elliott and Aloe Gilman. No, and that's what's, that's what's great about having great safeties is that you always know you have that last line of defense and those guys are really good. I could see... You know, we've raved about Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa. I think one day we noted a missed tackle, and, and it was kind of jumped on. I mean, I can see a guy making his first career start being a little bit overzealous sure. and overrunning some plays, and certainly that could happen with your with your inside linebackers as well. But they but Notre Dame is older. I mean, they, they absolutely are. They're offensive. I mean, every, every athlete has some jitters in the first game of the year, no matter how many first games of the year there are, but... You would think that that offensive line is going to go in with a, a pretty set mindset um, and, and should be should be pretty stable throughout this game. I don't know how good of a year or how many starts he'll have, Asmar Bilal, but he better be solid in this game with his run fits and tackling, right? That's the point of Asmar Bilal being involved right now. Yeah. yeah there's this. You have to go out and be solid against Louisville, a team you're better than. Team that your defensive line is much better than, and he should have clean looks, and he should play well. Now I will say this: you know, you don't know exactly what Louisville's going to do offensively, no, so you no. could see some young guys with some some busts there. Um, you know, I mean, but it's great to have those guys on the back end of the defense because you think about what they covered up last year at times, and your corners were good. I realize that, but they only gave up ten touchdown passes in a season, which is which is pretty phenomenal. Now, a lot of that has to do with Julian Love and what he did and the pressure going on up front. But when you have that last line of defense that's effective and as veteran and as confident as Elliott and Gilman are, you can avoid a lot of big plays. All right, we will. Uh, we got a bunch of questions. We'll come back segment two, burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burning Up the Boards, brought to you by Rent Like a Champion, South Bend's largest vacation rental company with 1,000 weekend home rentals close to Notre Dame Stadium, available for Fighting Irish Game Days. Irish Illustrated readers and listeners can get $100 off their booking with the promo code IRISH2019. We start with at StuFish00. We've seen countless times how Notre Dame does when it is a big road favorite. Why on earth should we expect anything but a struggle Monday night at Louisville? The line is 20 and a half. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. big road favorite is all relative. Um, it's not countless times. It's like five times. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't, they're not often a big road favorite. But you just mean a road favorite at night against a good team. That's <laughs> hard to win. This is, this is different. I mean, you're going to know. I'm going to go back to the Pete Sampson theory of, I don't know if it's 2014. Almost everything you need to know is in the opener. Yeah. Right? I don't want to steal your theory, so I want you to talk about it. No, 2014 is the only counterexample of this, and that is completely hinges on the fact that the entire team got injured on defense. In fact, it it did point to a very good season until they got hurt. Under Brian Kelly, everything you want to know about the season will be revealed on Monday night, which is both could be alarming, could be 
encouraging. It sort of depends on how it goes. These are these are the openers. 2010, Notre Dame 23, Purdue 12. Stop and start game, awkward offense, good defense. 2011, South Florida 23-20. The turnovers, just turnovers. 2012, 50-10 over Navy. Defense was incredible. Run first offense. Manti Teo was amazing. 2013, Notre Dame 28-6 over Temple. Defense was still really good. Quarterback play was limited. 2014, 14-17 over Rice. With everybody healthy, that was a good team. 2015, 38-3 over Texas. There was NFL talent all over the place. Elite playmakers. 2016, Texas 50, Notre Dame 47. That's the incredible. Defensive example. ineptitude and quarterback uncertainty. Just a lot of bad vibes. 17, 49-16 over Temple. The running game was, they had three 100-yard rushers. Like, you, that was all you needed to know about that team. And last year, 24-17 over Michigan, quarterback play was really unsteady and did not make you feel good. But Clark Lee validated, like, okay, first-year coordinator, Notre Dame's really going to be good with this. Now, last year, Notre Dame was just a six-point favorite at Wake Forest, which in retrospect looked silly. But, you didn't. I mean, Ian Book was starting. Yeah. Um, and that line was not based upon Ian Book starting. Uh, they were minus six at Virginia Tech, and they ended up beating them pretty handily. Minus ten at Northwestern, and it ended up being a ten-point game. And then minus eleven against USC, and only won by a touchdown. I think the only relevant thing left to prove with the road night game situation is against the better team for Notre Dame and Brian Kelly. I think they've they're gonna if they don't kill Louisville, we know as Pete, we we know there's going to be an issue. Yeah. Weird stuff can go wrong. You still better pull away, win by twenty. If they don't, get, seventeen, right? Let's say everything goes wrong. You better win thirty-eight twenty. I mean, really, the Louisville game needs to look like the Wake Forest game from last year. Those are comparable teams, and they'll have a little more surprise involved in Louisville because it's, right. the situation is obviously different than Winston Salem yeah, at noon and all that kind of Wake stuff. Wake Forest but. presented some offensive sure. challenges yeah. too because of the the pace that they played with and. You know, I mean, I can, I, I guess, I don't want to buy too much into Scott Satterfield because I think he's a good coach, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of people around Louisville, how excited they are. There's been a lot of talk about how that last year's team quit. Can you flip that switch with a team like that that quickly? Yeah, probably. But as you say, Tim, a bad game for Notre Dame should be a 17-point win here. Right, and if everything goes wrong, if special teams goes wrong, which it very well could because you mentioned how his, his reputation of his special reputation, teams. Yeah. Look, the, the, the real question to come back to would be, when they go into Georgia, why on earth should we expect Brian Kelly to record a road upset because he hasn't since 2012? Sure. That's yeah. a fair question. Yeah. Everything C- else he's eradicated. It's, yes. At C.J. Natchtegal, in years past when Brian Kelly felt he had a strong offense, if Notre Dame won the coin toss, he would almost always elect to receive the opening kickoff. Do you see that trend continuing this year? Yes, 115 to 33 in the first quarter last year. They're really good on that script. Have not thought about it, but but I will go with yes. I, you know, it's they're, been a pattern. They're great. They have that and script now, is and, really impressive, right? Actually, and now you feel you have a veteran offense, and you're not sure about a couple components defensively. So yes, you definitely do it. At Irish Badgers 12 comment. This is a comment more than a question. I like this one, actually. (laughs) Two of the top six or so junior cornerbacks in the country are Elijah Hicks and Paulson Adebo. (laughs) He did not include the word discuss, but that's what he meant right there. I think that's where he's going, right? Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, the the Adebo one's the killer. That's just the... Yeah. Right. And they could use Hicks as well, though. No, but I mean, you you had. You really had. I mean, there are two different stories. Like, one, Adebo was told Notre Dame, if I get an offer from Stanford, I'm going to Stanford. Like, Notre Dame was a safety school. Hicks 
Notre Dame dropped, which in hindsight was probably a huge mistake considering their numbers at corner. Why did they drop him? They, he was just like screwing around, wanted to take other visits. Uh, they were like, I think it was basically, you're not good enough to do this. But at the time, Notre Dame was really not good enough to demand that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's there's a fine line yes. there. There's a fine line there be, between insisting, I was yeah, telling you, insisting on the discipline yeah. of a certain yeah, player. You talk, yeah. Tim and I talked about this. I, I coached a kid who was... Who was <laughs> you got to say the same thing you did to me. This could get back to him, and he'll he'll know I'm talking about him. This kid, you could wake him up at 3.30 in the morning, (laughs) stick him in a bear's box, and he'd a line shot. He wouldn't even be completely awake yet. But he was a coach killer. (laughs) But I wasn't stupid enough to get rid of a kid that could hit the baseball like that. So there's always a fine line there that you've got to balance, and they chose one side of that over the other on Elijah Hicks. I I will always go to Jimmy Johnson's Dallas Cowboy days. When Kervin Richards, Emmett Smith's backup, fell asleep in a meeting, and he cut him. And he said, you know, I'm not standing for any of this. This is the new cowboy way when he was getting him back to the Super Bowl. And then he later admitted if that was Troy Aikman, I'd have been like, Troy, wake up. (laughs) Because there are two standards. And Notre Dame has to recruit to that standard, I guess. I'm going to let you read the longest question in the history of uh, the podcast. Stu Doggy Dog, with Michael Young's injury and Austin's suspension, I'm concerned about productivity and depth at wide receiver. While we have numbers of the position, it seems that many of our backups are not developing like we thought they might, and he mentions McKinley and all the sophomores. This year's freshmen don't look like potential impact starters to me at first blush. Do you think our recruiting hit rate at wide receiver is not as high as other positions? Is this a recruiting issue or coaching issue, if you agree? Um, I mean, I, I, I think the general premise of what's being said is fine and accurate. I, I, I do think that Wilkins will emerge. I think that Lindsay will emerge probably next year. Um, you know, and then the other ones are, are pretty much misses, although McKinley has, has come on strong. But, um, you know, this is a, I mean, it's, it, it, we're asking this question probably because Komet, and I know Komet's a, a tight end, yeah, but yeah. Komet, Komet's hurt was going to be an integral part of what they did, and, and, and Michael Young is as well. I get the question. It's just asked about eight weeks too early because Lawrence Keyes could have a breakout September and Joe Wilkins could look pretty good. But it's a legitimate question in that Kevin Austin is going to be going into the season with no chance to contribute for a while uh, and didn't have huge contributions last year when we all thought he could. Lawrence Keyes and Joe Wilkins, while they... They kind of were like last year guys that, oh, these guys are intriguing. They're going to be really good as sophomores, and they might be. But as of now, no one was saying... We can't keep these guys off the field. No, it was Michael Young has beaten them out. Yeah. So I get it, but I think you have to wait until midseason because if two of the guys emerge that are sophomores, then it's impressive again. Now, you lost some guys. Like, Stefferson it theoretically would be a senior, although he would have gone pro at this point. Um, so I'm not sure about the hit rate being that bad unless unless the guys from the sophomore class don't actually hit, but they have time. So, yeah, so much hinges on the sophomore class. And right. The, and... I have no idea whether they will hit or not. I can tell you the coaches, are, like, they love keys. Wilkins, I think they feel the same way about Wilkins that I do. It's hard to explain why he's good, but he is. That's what Chris Fink uh, says, too. Um, but Notre Dame's arguably their best receiver is a former walk-on, which is sort of a weird position to be in. You know, Claypool I, is better, that, though. But, yes, but it's yes. like, yeah, this but, yeah. is just not a reality of Clemson and Alabama. Well, a former walk-on is not one of their top two receivers. <laughs> well, he, he was for a while, though. 
in Hunter Renfro. Yeah, at worst, <laughs> at worst he was three. Yeah, at worst yeah. he was three. But they, those guys were pretty good also. Look, that's why I brought up Stefferson. He, whether if he, if he went pro, he would have still been a great, that means a great player went pro. I don't think the hit rate's that bad. I think when you get four or five receivers in, you've got to know that they're not all going to hit. Equinemius St. Brown, Miles Boykin came in together, and Chris Fink. I mean, that's... Right. That was that's a nice little group. You know, I, they're not they're not expecting anything out of Isaiah Robertson despite a good Saturday a couple right. Saturdays right. ago. They're not expecting anything out of Micah Jones. They are expecting a contribution from uh Javon McKinley. Cam Hart is a possibility. So he's a varsity player still, Cam Hart, kind of. Yeah. If they, have a, they have to have a seventh. Abdur Rahman has been banged up, and I'm not sure his development as a receiver because he hasn't been a receiver until he got here. What about Braden Lindsay? Next year. I just think next year. year I really do. And I, and, I, and, I, and I strongly suspect that that is what they're feeling as well, that that's the way. Not that he won't play this year. Sure. But, well, you have to have another you know, guy in there. I, I, right. And I would, He's I would, the sixth guy right now. Uh, right. But you, re- you know that the sixth guy could catch eight passes this year. Yeah, I wouldn't expect more. Well, because because the running backs are going to catch a bunch. Yes. So you could be the sixth wideout, but you could be eighth or ninth in or receiving. Or yeah, Tremble will catch a bunch. Hopefully, and right, eventually right, will. Right, right. So I don't. I mean, I would. Weren't we? Ta- I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. We, what would what would you set the over under on for Lindsay reception? Single digits. We did, and when you said eight, I said under. We did. We did say yeah. that on the mm-hmm. pod. Okay. And right. you guys are right. Yeah, It'll I be think under. That that's right. And on a related note, at WG Pennington, when will we hear something official on Kevin Austin's status? Well, I, we never expected to hear anything official on on Kevin Austin's status. You never heard anything official on the guys that missed four games prior. Right. They just came back and um, traits were better. Un- unfortunately, we're, we're hearing that we're not going to see Kevin Austin this year. So On the field. On the yes. field, yeah. yes. Uh, it's it's our understanding he will stay in school. He's a good student. But the latest is that uh, we're not expecting Kevin Austin to actually play this year. But they also wouldn't think that would be an official announcement either. No, that I, nope. no I don't. It's the same thing, only it's extended. Well, if it's if it's the whole season, which we think it is, you're going to hear, now he's got to pull out the traits word. Now he has to, now he has to use that, which he's, I think he's almost... He's kind of avoided it yeah. recently because well, he knows sure. that we... I mean, it's... Why, why don't you go ahead and ask that, Preacher? You want me to do that? <laughs> yeah, the trade story? Is the no. Trade no. About Kevin, Kevin Austin? Austin questions. You, you asked the first one on the first day of camp, and uh, it was like, yeah, I... I uh, well, it's an official... I was on the team. I don't want to talk about it's that. It's an official but, question yeah. to ask in week five when yeah. we would have normally yeah. expected mm-hmm. him back. But well, asking the question now is totally irrelevant because he was never going to play in these yeah. first four games. But, but, now that, but now that it's been said on our podcast... I will certainly ask, but sure. but if some, somebody is probably going to beat me to the punch if I don't ask it right away. Uh, insane TD Tucson with Ian Book's accuracy, weapons on the outside, and good receiving options of running back. How many design runs or RPOs will Book execute? You would hope to expect Chip Long wants to limit the unnecessary hits on Book as much as possible. I don't think this will change at all. Um... And for the most part on these RPOs, if you give it, you don't get hit. If you throw it, you don't get hit. Um, He's got to keep it to make the offense effective. Yeah, so. and he doesn't keep it a lot, but I don't. I, I think there will be no change in that way. I think it's it's one of one of the things Book does well that people probably don't recognize as much. I also think he's got. Um, I wrote about this in a couple of weeks ago. He's got a natural ability where he can. 
act like do the fake, pull it, run with it, and then th- and then still throw it behind the line of scrimmage. And that is a really hard thing to do athletically. And throw a perfect pass. But he does it really well. I mean, I think it you sort of saw that the the play against Stanford right before halftime where he hit Claypool in the back of the end zone was a wasn't a perfect example. This was more just a scramble, but he is so mobile behind the line of scrimmage while keeping his eyes downfield, and then he's able to not chuck the ball in the stands. He can actually make a really good throw. Um, so I, I think the RPOs is they maybe do more of them. Yeah, I mean, for better or worse, depending upon how you view it, and I know a lot of Notre Dame fans will view it the way the question was asked. I'm not sure that Chip Long is one to to. He's not going to go into a game worrying about his quarterback being hurt. Now, I don't think Book Book doesn't take a lot of big hits. He's a good decision maker. As you said, Pete, two of the three options, he doesn't have to get hit. Generally speaking, you know, I mean, you can picture how many times he outruns a guy to the corner. That's usually when a play breaks down. I but. wish I brought it. Don't know why I didn't bring my <laughs> paper stats, but I think he ran for 27 first downs last year. That's an important part of the offense, right? It really is. He had 27 it, it, first downs. That's that, a lot. And that's in nine starts. Yeah. Nine, nine starts. So that's... You need to... That, that's definitely... You want to track that this year. Yeah, I, no, I, I do I, track it. I just don't have to bring the piece of paper to make it valuable right now for yeah, a podcast. Look, that's, ask yeah. USC cornerback Isaiah Langley how athletic Ian Book is. Ran over a man, ran around him. And I think both of them were first down runs. I will say, unlike... I don't know if I would agree with Chip Long... May not agree with this. I'm saying this badly. New Mexico and Bowling Green, if you're in control, I want Phil Dracovic to run well, the entire right, that's second right. half. The, the it's qu- just what the, the question he needs says, to play a lot anyway. No, he does. The question says unnecessary hits. And I was going to yeah. say, well, what's an unnecessary hit? Second half of those I games. Get, absolutely. It's definitely necessary. I agree, I agree with that. Indy 10 12. Do you feel that the offensive line can perform at an elite level? And do you feel the offense will be balanced close to 50 50 split or lean more to the pass or run? Great question, because I go a lot of different ways with the offensive line. I know they're going to be pretty good. They were pretty good last year, and I think they're going to be better than pretty good. Will they be elite? I don't. I would not guess they'll be elite, because elite would be 2017, right? Level? Yeah, I, I think you without have, the balling. You have, you have to have. <laughs> I think you have to have elite talent to be play elite. And I think they have very good talent, and they could be very good. I don't know that I would classify it as elite. <laughs> I regardless I, you know, of the star. Yeah, I don't. I'm not talking about the star ratings. I. I really think to, for Notre Dame to challenge for the playoffs, which is 11-1 and and a close game in the loss, is they have to be right there to lead. I, I think that position, I, Pete brought this up a couple years ago, you absolutely have to, Notre Dame has to have a differentiator at the offensive line because they don't have a differentiator at a lot of other mm-hmm. places. They don't have a running back differentiator that we know of unless Jafar Armstrong has been sandbagged in uh, August. We, I mean, we thought Jafar would dominate coming into this year at times, and it just looks like he's even with Tony Jones right now. What's a differentiator on offense for Notre Dame? The, the line almost has to be. Yeah. Well, because Cole Komet's out. I mean, yeah, Cole Komet could be a differentiator, but you know, it's, we talked about this all <laughs> last year, that as soon as Alex Bars got hurt, that was going to be what stopped them from playing for a national championship. Um, it didn't stop them from making the playoff, but it sure as hell stopped them once they got into the playoff because they couldn't, they couldn't handle what Clemson was bringing. Um, I don't know if they're going to run into that level of defensive line. I guess they probably would in Athens to a certain extent, but probably not that level. Not that, that level. That's, that was a world. But a good one where yeah. you need yeah. NFL next yeah. year guys. Not like I'm gonna. Not like Aaron Banks playing in the NFL in three years or two years. Um. So yeah, I, 
Are they going to be elite? No. Are they going to be better than last year? I think yes. And I think that's 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 a good place to be. They have 52 career starts returning, which is middle to low. And next year they should have uh, 100 and... Yeah, five times... 20, 117. Yeah, I mean, if they all stay, <laughs> yeah, they, they all stay why healthy... Why would they not? Right. 13 if, times 5 yeah, plus 52. If, if they all stay right. healthy, they're coming back. I know people <laughs> think all these guys are going pro in the line. But. Right, but... You know, regardless what Tommy Kramer was rated, he's not elite. He just needs to get better. I think Aaron Banks, I've said this before, I think Aaron Banks can be the best one there unless Liam Eikenberg lives up to his potential because I think he can be great, but he's not there yet. Robert Hainsey He's the best player right now, very good. Uh, Hainsey, right now. Yeah, no, Robert Hainsey is the, the best player, and you want him on your offensive line, but I don't know that he's elite. And then you have a redshirt freshman at, at center. so uh, He might be elite someday. He, I definitely think he could be elite yeah. someday. Absolutely. But. What about the final part of that question? Do you feel it'll be lean to pass or run or? Well, I, I don't because I don't think that that's a, that's necessarily an elite line. I'm, I think it'll be more of a short pass, sixty-two thirty-eight or fifty-eight. <laughs> oh, I don't okay. know. My math is not <laughs> right. Write this down. Yeah. <laughs> fifty-eight forty-two. I don't know. My uh, answer is I don't care about that second part. Like, I if if they're you know, 55-45 pass, great. Your quarterback's completing 75% of his passes. I used to if care they're 55-45 run, that's fine, too, because you have a quarterback who's completing 75% of his passes. So yeah. if you're running it, that means your running game is really good. We used to. I felt I felt differently going into last year because I felt it had to be with Brandon Wimbush a running a run-heavy offense because he couldn't function throwing the ball. But now I agree with you. Yeah. Now yeah. the short passing game is an extension it, of the running game. It actually game. almost is. Just not in Athens where there's a bunch of fast well, that, that's I mean, that is, when you talk about differentiator, the ability of your running backs to catch a football, that's... And he that booked and put it right there. Right. That can be absolutely a differentiator. We're skipping that next question because we had, we addressed it. Uh, not Jay Tavell. Predict Jay Tavell one. Predict the following. Who leads the team in interceptions and how many? I'll go Gilman in the four range, but I would put Elliott in the four range and Pride and Hamilton in the three range too. I think, Hamilton, yeah. have you been in practice? <laughs> that's true. So if he gets seventeen, three hundred <laughs> snaps, that's twelve interceptions, right? Is that I mean, the way basically, it goes? yeah. Yes. I, I, I think Gilman will, but I think Pride, Elliott, and, and Hamilton will all be right there. How many interceptions do you think Hamilton will get? I bet he gets three or four. Four. Yeah, I'll take Jalen Elliott, who who got it last year. I'll will he get as many as five? That's a rare number. They don't often get to five. No, that's that's a lot. We're kind of spreading it around a little bit too. So it's it's that we aren't even talking I, about the corners. Yeah, <laughs> Pride will be in the probably get three. Down I three don't think this year. Yeah. Crawford, if he Crawford as plays, what's he get? As long as Claypool's not wearing an opposing jersey. Yeah, <laughs> it is a thing. It is. We're man. not he, wrong about I, that. No, he just nope. cannot make a play against Chase Claypool. Which leads you to believe that there's going to be some big receivers that he might have a little bit of trouble against. Okay, uh, who leads the team in sacks and how many? We all have the same leader, right? I don't know how you can go anywhere else. Julian Acquire is going to lead the team in sacks. 13 and a half. That's exactly the number I was going to go with. It's kind of mind meld. Maybe we shouldn't yeah. do any more. We've done I'm many gonna, podcasts. Yes. Yeah, I'm, exactly a, I would take, I would, I'm going to take the under on that just... Because you're logical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. just, that's a, a lot. lot. There's a lot. other guys that... Single season record, right? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's why it's in our minds, I Ogun, think. Yeah. Ogundeji is going to get his fair share. How I, many sacks? 34 that, is the BK record. I already said they'll get more. They've done it twice. I, I don't think it's 40. I think it's 38. There's our over-under. Okay. It's going to be the 38 and a half. 
over under. We'll all figure it out. We will publish our over unders on the next podcast. Not publish, but we'll talk. Yeah, about you it. know, I mean, those can, you know, those can get out of control against New Mexico and Bowling Green. Uh, I mean, yeah, they can get, true. you know, they can get, they get seventeen against those two teams. So, uh, and then the third from Nat J to Fell one, who leads the team in touchdowns scored and how many? Claypool. I agree. I would have said Jafar Armstrong in June and July, but I now believe it's Claypool in the eleven to eleven range. 11-ish. I think 11 or 12 for Claypool. And then Armstrong's I'm, below. But Armstrong scored seven last year, not knowing what he was doing and barely playing. So he's going to be in the 9-10 range, won't he? You would think so. But I, but I, That's less than 11 or 12, though. Yeah, it is less. <laughs> and, I, and, I like, and I like Claypool in double digits, so we're all pretty much there. Okay, a couple added questions uh, from at W. Osterhoff. I haven't heard anything about Nana Asafo Mensa this August. Can you provide an update? I cannot. That's uh, one guy I have not. I think I've heard something on all the freshman defensive linemen except that one. I heard something on him in spring from the person that knows a lot about Nano Safamensa and said they really like him, but he's definitely going to have a year of scout team duty. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him. I've I've tried to watch him a little bit. Yeah, I practice. tried too. Cause I, mean, I, 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 I still I think that he's. I think there's great potential there. I just don't think we're going to see barely anything of that this year. I think if you ranked where the freshman defensive linemen are in terms of readiness, it's one Lacey, two Cross, three Foskey, yeah, I think that's, four Osafamensa, five Spears. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's accurate. At underscore Bogan 1989, how do you feel about Lance Taylor's coaching up to this point? What are your expectations for the running backs under his direction? Well, I expect them to be physical because Chip Long keeps telling us that they're more physical. So they better be physical. Javish Smith broke his hand and kept practicing, <laughs> so that's good. And uh, they really are good. Other than Sebo Flemister, they're really good pass catchers. Uh, there was a question on Irish Illustrated's message board. Seems like Sebo's behind. I think Sebo's behind, and I mentioned to Pete during practice because he's not as good of a receiver. He runs hard. He runs just as, he runs harder than I mean. I think he runs harder than Kyron Williams. But he, Kyron Williams' athletic yeah. ability is Jameer, really impressive. And then Jameer Smith is made for the single back with yeah. two running backs in the slot, I right? think Sebo's I mean, behind. He sh- just doesn't have great hands. I know he doesn't have great hands because Chip Long made him redo a rep where the quarterback missed him. You're not making Tony Jones redo a rep where the quarterback missed him. He wants right. to get you the ball as many right, times right, as he right, can. Right. I do want to say that you know the first reaction or the reaction the first time a running back loses a fumble. You, you you know that Lance Taylor suddenly is going to become a worse coach the first time a Notre Dame running back loses a fumble because it hasn't happened since Boston College. But they fumbled. It's a great stat. They, fumbled, they do. Dexter they Williams fumbled against Clemson. Well, Avery Davis fumbled. Yeah, Avery Davis fumbled and kept fumbling. He just couldn't stop fumbling. <laughs> That's why he didn't play anymore. I'll just, you know, just like, what about Chris Tyree? You lose a fumble, fine. What about Chris, oh, Chris, Chris Tyree? Okay, that's fine. You can lose a fumble. You don't want Flemister to lose the fumble is what you're saying, Georgia? Yeah. Okay. At Buster Biven, which of the backup wide receivers and cornerbacks do you think will make the travel roster? Well, it sounds like Cam Hart's going to make the travel roster from what you yes. said. Yeah. He's the cutoff, right? So as Isaiah Robertson would go because he would be a, at least a backup special teams player, though, because he's played some special teams last year. That's the... Yes. I, I just, I don't know which... I don't know which corner doesn't go. I mean, I guess you could say Isaiah Rutherford, but he won't I know. Go. He won't go. He's not a special teams mix, I One, don't think. One, two, three, four. 
four, five, six, seven. Agoro will go. Yeah, he's a special teamer, yeah. and Avery Davis is probably a special teamer. Probably. It's probably. I mean, so Wall- if it's, Wallace if it's and Rutherford. One, yeah. I think I think Wallace will go. I mean, I, he's on varsity right now. That's part yeah. Of I mean, it. I yeah. yeah. I I I like what I've seen of Wallace, and I think that he would. Be will Ajavon go? No. no, no. Well, I just saying they don't have any numbers, but I agree he won't go. Um, I, I I just, but he is, you know. It, well, you add. I guess if you add Sean Crawford to that, they do have enough numbers. Yes. Is there anyone else wide receivers? Yeah, Isaiah Robertson's a junior that could play, and they can't. What if guys? I mean, they don't have enough wide receivers right now. They have to send him. Well, he okay. could go function. So in the Micah game. Jones doesn't go, and Abdur Rahman doesn't go, and Kevin, Kevin Austin, Austin doesn't, doesn't go, go, and Michael Young can't play. Robertson. Yeah, okay, yeah. I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. You just need some people there. Yeah, okay. Uh, at Indy Irish Co., which may be Colorado, if Notre Dame's home and away this is an interesting one, I should have let you. If Notre Dame's home and away games were flipped, what do you think their record would be this season? So you have seven road games, right? Seven road games. We'll say for the sake of argument, Navy stays neutral. Okay. So you got to play at BC... Second to last game of the year in November. That's fine. Uh, I'd still rather flip them. You're at USC. You're at Virginia Tech, and you're at Virginia. That would, that's not the best stretch in a six week span. But you still get to have Georgia, Michigan at home, and Stanford. So I would. So how many? How many of your first seven games would be on the road? You would pour your first five, but Georgia's yeah. the home one. That'd be a pretty fun home opener. Or nope, sorry, for your first six. Louisville would be the home opener. It would be on a Saturday. I like think it'd be good if Nordic yeah. flipped these actually. So yeah. the ticketing office think it was it's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> what well, uh, no, not with just five home yeah. games. They yeah, might double the attendance although anyway. Like, although do we have to go to Bowling Green? You said, <laughs> New Mexico's a trip. Where Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I'll be to get this done. I've We're always, onto something here. I've Can I fly to Bowling Green? Why didn't you Is mention it? this to Swarbrick <laughs> when you talked to I've him? I've always wanted to go to Albuquerque, but for the NCAA tournament. Yes. Yeah, do they still the play? I don't doubt it. Do they still play there? I think every now and then they, they still should. do. I, yeah, I mean, that, that always fascinates yeah. me going there, and I never had the opportunity. But BC could be in Fenway again. Yeah. Better than that little band box. Or that is the lyrical band box, but that little tin can so they then, have in Chestnut So Hill. Stanford would be at home in the last weekend of November? Is that, what, <laughs> That's good is that how right that works? Yeah. It doesn't seem like they're going to make this trace. <laughs> yeah. So what? Do, which do you think would be would end up being a better record for Nordic? That. That one, yeah, but they would get upset. Yeah, they they get, would get upset on the road. I think. I think it'd be the same. Ten and two. It wouldn't. Eleven and one. No, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, that was kind of my first thought. To, you don't know. <laughs> just trying to get them to say. I something. think they would, oh, no. they'll be either ten and two or nine and three. I don't. I don't. The a flip of the schedule. I don't think would change. Really if I anything. pick nine and three when I give my game by game to O'Malley, how do you think everybody's going to react? Poorly. <laughs> um, not great. <laughs> this would be better road trips, though. I'm looking forward to Georgia, but yeah, you throw Albuquerque back to. Uh, out back out to Virginia, that'd be fun. USC all the time. <laughs> be USC before a bye. I might not come until Thursday. <laughs> Great midseason misses. That would be awesome. Okay, here we go. Last question from at DA Dixon 408. Will the Irish Illustrated staff make all of your prop bets public and will Irish <laughs> Illustrated subscribers be able to participate? Maybe make it a season long make a season long contest out of it. I think we should put on the podcast in some way, right? I this is O'Malley's baby and since you sparked the idea, yeah. D.A. Dixon, I'm sure he's going to go. He's going to follow through with it. He's better on the podcast. I mean, yeah, we'll so ser- it works out for all three of us, right? We'll, we'll, <laughs> s- we'll certainly uh, let you know what our picks are, and then you know why not? I mean, absolutely. See, uh, see who ends up doing the best. We have had 
some amazingly close prop bets. Oh, highly, highly dramatic Chris stuff. Fink's catch in LSU put the most incredible prop bet ever over the sliding catch that set up Boykin's touchdown. Yeah. The prop bet we had was, remember they had Cam Smith and Freddie Canteen starting that year? So we looked at the receivers and just thought, oh, my God. I don't remember them. Okay. <laughs> well, the prop bet was 50 and a half catches for everyone not named, like, the good receivers. Mm-hmm. And that catch was number 51. And the only reason it went over is because Kevin Stefferson came back and went nuts in the second half of the do year. You, uh, Pete, do you allow him to make the lines on these, or, or do you guys come we to talk a consensus? It out. We talk it out. We talk it out, yeah. so we figure out, okay, Tillery you actually tackle. want to do the under, and I want to do the over, or vice versa. Yeah, the key is you got to want different sides, otherwise the prop ups aren't that fun. Oh, uh, well, that's true. Yeah. Okay, well, then, I, then you guys come up with the lines, and, and I, I can be yeah. the deciding yes, yeah. vote in that, I guess. Tillery, you got, there was one half sack, or one half tackle for loss over yep. happened in the game. Yeah, it was really an amazing year of that. <laughs> you, and you thought, like, playoff bursts were the only thing that were at stake at the end yeah. of the season. There's something, <laughs> there was, there was a lot going on. There's the end something of that much year. <laughs> more important than that. All right, guys, we, uh, we're going to wrap it up with that. We appreciate everybody joining us today. We are in our weekly schedule, so we will be back on Thursday with Irish Illustrated Insider to talk about Notre Dame versus Louisville on Monday, Labor Day night. It's time to start planning your trip to Notre Dame. Rent Like a Champion is South Bend's largest vacation rental company with over 1,000 weekend home rentals available close to Notre Dame Stadium. Head to rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated to get $100 off your booking when you use the promo code IRISH2019. That's rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated promo code IRISH2019.